can he be successful enough to kind of rip that job from uh, from Latroy Hawkins' cold, dead hands? I really liked that acquisition. I think that he's going to shock some folks. Very interested in Shane Green. There must be like somebody's boss that watches these games through Twitter because damn it, these tweets are out of control this spring. Given the that Tim Federovich or whatever is his backup. By the way, I got to give you credit on Federovich. I know you. I've heard you talk. I do listen to the <laughs> podcast. I've heard you talk about having player pronunciation issues. to episode 214 of the Sleeper in the Bus podcast. I am your host, Paul Spohr, joined on a Tuesday by Mr. Eno Saris. Eno, good day, sir. Yeah, it is a good day. Or at least yesterday was a good day. It was good to be back at the park. It's excellent. And what, what, uh, interviewing players. Who did you get to speak to? Uh, I posted a video of me talking to Sam Fold. Excellent. And then he went out uh, and promptly, what, did he rip a triple or something? Didn't he have a big hit? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and in the piece he said he wasn't going to grow any new muscle, so it's kind of funny to see him hit that well, he, triple. But he wasn't uh, going to grow any new muscle because he'd already grown it, is what he's saying. He, he was ma- he was already maxed out. <laughs> yeah, but uh, uh, that was fun because I bought like a, a a monopod, which is just kind of like a little I call it an advanced selfie stick because you stick it on the ground and it helps you. So now I think I'm going to do more video. I mean. It worked out pretty well. I need to figure out how to improve the audio a little bit, but that's That's it. awesome. That's great. Yeah, so um, I assume that you'll be – how often do you go to the park? A couple times a week, once a week? What What is the schedule? Uh, I got my wife to agree to twice a week this year, so I'll probably be going mostly Tuesdays and Fridays. Okay. And, uh, that's pretty good. Yeah, I think that – yeah, it'll be that's fun. A, and um, Yeah, that's a – You know, like yesterday wasn't the, wasn't the best day. I mean uh, – you know, in terms of preparation on Monday, it's a little bit harder for me to be fully prepared. On Tuesday, I can spend my free time leading up into it, preparing for the players. So I wasn't as prepared as I'd like to be. And I got a good interview with Tyler Clifford, and I got a total crap interview with Shinsu Chu. Oh, man. And I uh, got a good one with Sean Doolittle that's going up tomorrow about his rehab process. Excellent. But that one was super easy because Sean and I are uh, bust, yeah, but, uh, I think you'd mentioned that before. So that, that that's great, though. Um, how how uh, good is the, the Chew one? Just went so badly. I don't even think I'm gonna. Post yeah, I was gonna say, it. how good is his English? Does he speak? Uh, I'm, it's, it was I'm, okay, but it, I don't know what it was. And he didn't get up to talk to me, so I was sort of talking down to him, uh, a little far away. Yeah, kind of down to him, and then I I tried to say something really like. Uh, mostly I try to say something really nice using numbers at the beginning of any conversation. So I said something like, you never hit pop-ups. You're like bottom five in pop-ups. And he's like, yeah, I don't want to hit pop-ups. Yeah, pop-ups are bad. It's like, yeah, we, well, yeah, no, I knew, no, 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 no. I knew that. I knew that, buddy. I was saying that you're good at not doing exactly. the worst kind of contact. That's all I was saying. And I was like, is that is that something you developed over time, you know, line drive approach? And he's like, no, it's just my swing. I was like, have you changed your swing plane over your career at all? And he's like, no, it's the same swing. Oh, okay then. <laughs> and I was like, uh, well, I noticed that it looks like, you know, pitchers are coming into the zone less often against you and you're swinging less. And he's like, well, I, I look to see if it's a strike and then I swing. Okay. It's pretty straightforward, <laughs> I guess. Not too much insight, unfortunately. I love Chu. That's a bummer that it wasn't a uh, wasn't a more insightful interview. But, you know. Well, he he didn't know who I was, and and you know, minutes, seconds later, even I saw him. Uh, so Jimmy Rollins hit a homer, and uh, on the TV while we were all watching, and then I saw him talking to a coach, and he said something about Jimmy Rollins always pulling the ball, and I knew right away that he's a smart guy, mm-hmm. and he just wasn't. He just wasn't giving me anything. That's a bummer. Maybe, maybe. If you if you see him a couple times, obviously that's a divisional team. If you catch him a couple times, yeah. he'll start to recognize you, and then the floodgates open. You know, so that that makes sense. I, I guess we can't expect every guy to be ready to to just have a great chat with you like an Adam Adovino would, 
or, or, or the guys that you are already accustomed to, like like Doolittle and whatnot. So I don't know. I say keep plugging away at that one. At least you know. I I, I don't know how it goes in there, but at least say hi to him. Maybe keep stay on stay on his radar. Uh, every time Texas comes into town, because if you feel like there's something to be mined there, I think that could be really interesting. I love Shinsuchu as a player. Uh, I, yeah, I think that's I think that's a good idea. I'm gonna keep trying. I mean, I'm the Rangers class in particular is tough for me because I, what I ha- I hadn't actually prepared for Chu. I prepared for Adrian Beltre, who I've I've wanted to talk to for so long, and this was the third time that I made Adrian Beltre aware of the fact that I wanted to talk to him, and he did not talk Dang. to me. Oh, I'm working the long game in the in the Rangers clubhouse in general. But I, I've always wanted to talk to Beltre because Donaldson told me that he modeled his approach after Beltre and that you have to mimic the path of the ball coming in. And that uh, he, he said that um, Beltre drops his back knee when there's a curveball coming. Interesting. So that so that he'll uh, he'll sort of hit underneath the ball the curveball yeah, I, I love and the I, knee drop home runs when he when he does get a, get a hold of it those are great yeah exactly and he said because i i said something about the knee drop even to, to donaldson being like the guy who hits home runs with one knee on the ground that's the guy you <laughs> and he was like no man that's brilliant and he told me why and ever since then i wanted to talk about you about it but i don't know he's he's just a veteran you know just you know put his Put his beats by Dre on and, and, and read the newspaper in front of me. That, very, very. That's how you know that they're full of crap because nobody reads the newspaper. So that's how you know that you're being you're being dusted. It's like, come on, dude, it's upside down, Adrian. You don't even have it right side up. You could at least, you know, give me a stronger effort on reading the newspaper. He's like reading the classifieds of the USA Today. <laughs> Swear to God. Almost exactly. What That's doing. really funny. Well, just keep plugging away at them. Like I said, they are division rival uh, for you to go in. Uh, I know you go to the O.co, so maybe keep plugging away, and they'll give you some. Because I'd love to see what you can get out of both of those guys, Chu and Beltre. Uh, but let's talk some news. We do ha- we do have some injury news already. It's gonna you know probably f- trickle in all the time now. Now that the season start, guys just. Don't stay healthy, and it's a bummer, but we got to talk about it because it's the biggest deal in fantasy because playing time matters most. And we start with some uh, star power, unfortunately, the guy that everyone wants to be healthy so that they can see if he's still a superstar is Ryan Braun. Well, after an 0-for-2 day, he's out with a ribcage injury, uh, pulled for Gerardo Parra, and now he's not going to play Tuesday. How are you feeling about this with regards to uh, the severity of it? Are you, are you worried long-term? Do you feel like this is something that can linger with his ribs? I know the initial reports say a couple days. Do you think it'll just be something small and move on, or does this create any long-term panic for you? Well, it's not a good area. I mean, I it seems like it's kind of oblique yeah. You know, and the oblique stuff, really... I know that Denard Spahn is actually you know, taking some swings tomorrow or something. So, you know, he's trying to come back quickly. But I also know that from, you know, from following the Mets a lot, that David Wright, his worst seasons were almost all oblique problem seasons. So I don't like it. And, you know, I remember back to the 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 deal I had on the table where I could have gotten um, Ryan Braun for my Justin Upton and some extra pieces uh, on the other side. And now I'm glad I didn't do it because he's 31. And, you know, one of the things I think that these these drugs can do for you, are, you know, is get you back out on yeah. the field, that, you know, when you're hurt. That's the one that I've always thought that they, that they, that they uh, are capable of doing. Not that they're going to turn, you know, a four-homer guy into a 28-homer guy or anything like that. But, but maybe a 140-game guy or, or like a 130-game guy into a 155-game guy in 25 games is a lot of production. Yeah, and that's, you know, and it's also interesting that to put that up against greenies, you know, it, you know, a lot of people want to say that greenies aren't the same as steroids and there weren't as many uh, performance-enhancing benefits to greenies, but I think that's exactly what greenies did. I mean, I think that amphetamines help people especially partying young mm-hmm. men, uh, help them, you know, get back on the horse the next day uh, and help them concentrate in games where they would either take it off mentally or be hurt and take the day I off. Mean, so th- th- there could be a great, uh, at least data point in favor of what you're saying, because I tend to agree with you this year. If, if Chris Davis goes back out and pops another 40 homers, you know, uh, and, and kicks butt, 
after not being on the Adderall last year and then getting his exemption again this year. So, you know, I, I, I tend to agree too that, that that's kind of what they do. And I, I feel like that they are uh, an asset in, in that realm. Uh, and that's why they do compare more to steroids than people believe. So I, I agree with you on that point. So we'll keep an eye on Braun. Like I said, right now it's not supposed to be something that's that's big time, but with a guy who we've been kind of having the injury issues with for a while now, the f- opening day is it, it's just a bummer. You know, it's like when Jose Reyes kind of uh, had to get checked up a little bit after he was on second base in the opener <laughs> yesterday too. Same kind of thing. It's like a guy who's been injured multiple times and then you see him already getting checked. You're like, oh, come on, man. It's just opening day. Can I at least get a month in before we're dealing with that? So uh, hopefully it's not something too serious with Braun. It's also worth noting that the fans and Zips um, have Braun in, in basically 12 to 15 more games than he had last year, um, where Steamer is, is more um, uh, pessimistic. So it's worth noting that somebody who's looking at the projections is expecting a better year health-wise than last year. And that once Braun is healthy again, there might be a chance that you get a better deal trading mm-hmm. him than holding on to him. But you definitely won't get that better deal. No, no, now. no. you got to sit tight now, at least weather this storm. Now, a guy who has not been able to stay healthy, unfortunately, uh, is... John Jaso, and he had to leave. First off, he comes in batting leadoff, and it's like, oh, great. This guy, we're already pretty psyched on him because he's a non-catching catcher, and he's DHing, and then he was leading off, and it's like, wow, if he's batting at the top of the order, that's even going to help him more. Well, of course, injures himself right away. Gets injured on a slide while advancing on a, on a wild pitch. I think uh, Ryan Flaherty did a, a, a nice drop-down uh, move there to protect the base and, and hurt Jaso's wrist. So he's not going to play uh, today, and he'll be reevaluated. Actually, I don't think he was slated to play today uh, anyway, but then Wednesday he's definitely out because, uh, yeah, they're facing a, a lefty today. So he wouldn't have played today no matter. So the news is that he won't play Wednesday. So they're already saying he's out Wednesday. I'm I'm nervous already. Unfortunately, I was pretty psyched on this guy as a catcher too. Uh, the one thing is, though, health has been a major concern for him, and unfortunately, kind of a fluke injury. He's already banged up. Uh, so, how do you feel about Jaso now? Yeah, there's a big spread on plate of time appearance uh, projections here too. Zips has him all the way down to 316, and the depth charts have him at 509. And that represents basically how much catching you think he'll do, and how much of his injuries you think we're associated with catching. I mean, we know that all the concussion stuff was more likely uh, when you're catching, but he can still get beamed yeah. uh, and get concussed at the plate or, or even in the field. I think Olerud got um, got concussed once in the field. So, um, you know, I think uh, he's got a little bit of injury. Pro- I mean, you can't say he's not when his career high in play appearances is 404, and he hasn't done that in five years. So um, I think he's got a little bit of an issue there. And he, his playing time was always capped at two-thirds anyway, mm-hmm. so uh, he, he wasn't going to play against, uh, against lefties. So, you know, it's a, you, if, you're whole, if you own him, it's probably in an on-base percentage league and or a two-catcher league, and in those cases, you can't sell. No. Um, you just got to hope he's all right. Um, he does have a 1,000 on base for you right now, so that's good. <laughs> there, there is that. So, uh, yeah, you know. Well, he did it on the base pads, though, because uh, uh, this was an interesting tidbit. I, I heard um, from within, within the Rays once that uh, they had Jaso down as their best base runner. Interesting. And, you know, he's never stolen more than five bases, but. You know, he definitely does take a lot of extra bases. And then, you know, we have the base running value. Um, and it, I don't even know that it totally captures it because he's still negative for his career. But if you watch him on the bases, he's pretty, pretty, uh, he's got his heads on, head on straight there. But uh, he seems like a great you know, athlete a- overall. I mean, you know, you, you yeah, don't I'm- look at him and automatically think it the way you do with a guy like a, a Giancarlo Stanton. It's not, it's not that kind of you know, out no. of central casting. But when he's out there, you know, I, I saw him playing some outfield in the uh, in spring training. He had a little bit of a wacky route on one of them, twisting him up. But, you know, he looked like he, he belonged out there, uh, even in left field. So I hope he gets healthy because I feel like he could have a nice, you know, I, I don't want to say a, 
big season because that might imply a little too much, but big for for his career. You know, something um, a new a career high, career highs across the board, really, if he can stay healthy, because the the playing time alone will likely push him above 10 homers and 50 RBIs, which currently stand as his career highs. Uh, let's move on here and talk about Henry Mejia, who uh, was warming up, looking like he was going to get a chance to save the game in Washington. Uh, big game there. Bartol Colon and, and Max Scherzer had a great duel, and it looked like he was going to come in there and close it out. But then the elbow tightened up, and they pulled him, said no dice. Buddy Carlisle comes in and, and closes it out because they'd already used Jerry's Familia. And now Mejia's on the disabled list with with an elbow injury. So... This is another guy who it's, it's getting to the point now where I'm just not sure that we're going to be able to count on him as somebody who can stay healthy in his career. Obviously, the fact that his elbow is a bit of an issue already moved him to the bullpen from starting. And now as a reliever, it, it, it's become problematic. And if he doesn't get back soon and maybe establish himself, Bobby Parnell could slide in there and all of a sudden take that job and run with it. Yeah, it's really it's really upsetting to me also because I'm a Mejia supporter in that I like his stuff and I think he has way more command than Familia. Uh, Familia's pitches actually move so much that I, I think he has trouble commanding him just because they move so much. I mean, his sinker has something like, I'm not looking at it right now, but 10 or 11 or 12 inches of, of uh, onside run. It's, it's one of these really big sweeping two-seamers. And so I, I've seen it just cross the full you know, zone uh, from inside to outside. And uh, I don't know how you command something like that. But um, he definitely has the velocity to do it while Mejia's out. And then Mejia's two weeks off takes him real close to, you know, possible May 1 return date for Parnell. Um, So there's a chance that Mejia doesn't get any saves this year, which uh, would just really bum me out because I thought Mejia would be worth at least 10 saves over the course of the season. Uh, but, you know, Bobby Parnell has not uh, shown great velocity on his rehab. Um, I heard some early reports of, of sitting around. Um, I, uh, I wonder about him. I, I'm not sure that uh, it's going to go swimmingly. I don't think that uh, the reports have been amazing. So I think this one's still up in the air. And it, it may just be uh, a crap show all year. Yeah, it, it's, it's going to be uh, touch and go there. I really thought Mejia could establish himself and be kind of one of those uh, cheaper closers who actually delivers some big value. But now it's looking like maybe not. So we'll have to be monitoring that. Obviously, no matter who it is, people will be trolling for the guy because saves, saves matter. So even if it's you know somebody off the radar – We'll be out there spending our fab on it. And then the last piece of news also relates to the Rays. Uh, just a bit of an update. Uh, Alex Cobb played catch, said it was his best day yet. Still targeting a late April, early May return. More of an update than anything else. I don't Probably not too much analysis to be had. He's still not pitching off of a mound. Just kind of wanted to pass that update along. All right, let's move on to some opening day. I would say opening day reactions, but they're going to be overreactions. Basically, no matter how we slice it, uh, they're going to be overreactions because we just can't make too much out of one game. But I'm still going to ask you, you know, what was your biggest takeaway on the mound yesterday? It could be one specific thing, you know, just a, an at-bat that you saw or a relief appearance or a full-on start uh, or more of a broad thing since there were six shutouts. But what was one thing on the mound that you saw yesterday that you're like, oh, cool, I noticed that. That's interesting. You know, most of my answers, you know, because we're going to do mound in the ditch, most of my answers for these are about roll, um, you know, because I think that's the most interesting thing you can take away from a, a first day like that is, is, you know, a better knowledge of how people are going to get used. So, you know, I guess my, my cheap answer is, you know, that Jason Grilly closed, but also that Jim Johnson was a setup guy. So, you know, Grilly hasn't been the picture of health over his career. Uh, it was nice that he came out throwing 95. Uh, again, that was, you know, the, it's it's been kind of going down for a while, but I guess some time off last year and maybe some better health this year has him back up at 95 miles an hour, which, um, you know, is, is definite closer velocity, which means that he's probably worth a big FAAB if he's still out there, and uh, hopefully you guys got him. Um, but uh, knowing a guy's handcuff is good, Jim Johnson's that handcuff. I think Chris Hatcher seems to be the guy. Um, in, in LA. So, 
Um, you know, those are the kinds of things that I think that are the easiest to take away uh, from from a day one. You know what I liked, and I thought I, I, I left it wide open for you. I thought you were going to take it, but I'll go ahead and take it since you didn't. And that was Drew Hutchison, our boy. What well, one of our boys? We got many boys, uh, but just one of them that uh, that we were very high on. We've we've spoken very glowingly of this year. I was pleased with him going into first off uh, a home run happy park uh, and facing a ton of lefties, namely uh, uh, the, the the prime beneficiaries of those home runs. So a park that favors lefty home runs, which happens to be his primary issue, he goes in there and does give up a lefty homer to, to Brett Gardner. But holds them to two for 20. Uh, otherwise, you know that that he 21 of his 23 plate appearances were against lefties yesterday, and and he smothered them. Uh, it wasn't an overall domination in, in in that there weren't a ton of strikeouts, but I thought it was very effective. I was impressed with kind of the way uh, he used the, the 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 slider. Of course, it looked great. The fastball command was sharp. I was really impressed with the uh, initial outing, you know, because this is kind of the the one hurdle that he has to really show that he can do. Can he handle lefties? Can he keep the ball in the yard? And uh, test one at least came away with. You know, no less than an A minus for me. I thought I thought he looked great yesterday. Yeah, it was really nice. I agree on the fastball command. There were a couple times where he hit some really nice spots. You know, I remember in particular one left-handed hitter he was facing. He he basically just nailed the upper right-hand corner, which is you know up and away is just a real tough place for a lefty. All their swings are are are, are you know for down and he in. He worked there brilliantly yesterday. If you look at kind of a, a heat map of of how he was pitching, he he was working that quadrant very nicely um, to to lefties. So again, just one start. Can't say that he's no long he no longer has issues with lefties uh, and lefty home runs, but. A good f- first test passed by Hutchison. So I, I, I not not a lot of whiffs. No, um, but his his you know and and the the velocity separation on his change wasn't great. But he he used that change up um, the third time through the order pretty well, and um, by shape it's okay. The slider kept you know he kind of changed his slider halfway through last year. And it kept its drop, so it's kind of like a almost a hard curve, really. I mean, because you know, four inches of, of you know negative um, drop, you know, four inches of drop, like from zero mm-hmm. uh, on the sliders, it's a big number. That's that's a big drop. So he has a, it's almost like a power curve. And he backdoors it nicely. Uh, yeah. So I think he's, I think, I think he's got what it takes. And the command, you know, the, there's two ways I think to to stop homers, and one is command, and the other is, um, you know, a pitch mix approach where you. You have a third pitch. You have another pitch that keeps them off balance. So, you know, even if the change didn't look great and didn't get a ton of whiffs, um, he's doing both things. He's showing command with the fastball, and he's he's showing belief in the changeup. So, yeah, it was a good pitch. You know, and on the other side, I think um, I did feel like we learned a little bit about uh, Jeff Samarja. And, you know, I really don't want to overreact, uh, but I will say that I wasn't that high on – him coming in I wasn't um, either I, I had him capped out at AL Cy Young so I wasn't that high at him I thought you know <laughs> so you know that's not too high uh, pretty tepid endorsement of him so so yesterday was well, awesome the thing the thing for me that uh that the reason I've been um a little bit worried about him is that I, I see a little bit of Tim Lincecum about him and I think it's probably too early to worry about it, but you know he's a little bit older than people remember. Um, I'm gonna pull it well, up yeah, now. Yeah, tw- he's 29 age... or or, or uh, 30. 30 might be. Yeah, is it, is it his age 30 season? Yeah, because it's third year starting. Yeah. Uh, but he's been you know been relieving for a while and obviously was a probably, college product. Yeah, probably fewer bullets spent. Sure. Um, you know than than Tim Lincecum, but. If you know when I watch uh, Jeff Samarja, the same things hit me about him, which is that his stuff is really bendy. Um, it's really awesome stuff in terms of the split finger is great, the slider is good if not great, um, and the fastball is electric and has life. So those things are all there. I just you know I worry about his command really, and and that's why I mentioned Tim Lincecum because it, when that fastball, if it does start to go towards ninety, those are the years when I'm going to be really worried about him. In the meantime, I was just slightly worried about him because uh, of his home park and um you know he went out there and the, the fastball velocity took another little tick downwards uh but still managed to 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 have you know pretty much 
uh, Samarja like, um, uh, you know, velocity. And, uh, you know, there wasn't anything crazy out of line with his, with his movements either. Mm -hmm. So, you know, movements on his pitches, although the splitter was a little bit flat yesterday. Um, but, uh, you know, it could just be, you know, that he'll give up more homers in that park. That, that's true. And I know that that was a concern for, for some, some folks, obviously I didn't share that, that, that direct concern, but, uh, you know, not a great, not a great debut, not a great spring either. But the reason I wasn't too worried about the spring, it's not like he was walking the yard, uh, the homers, uh, he gave up a ton of homers, but the way I read the, the stats without actually seeing him pitch, because I just I, I never got a chance to uh, during spring, was that he's just pounding the zone, trying to work, see, seemingly working on his stuff uh, without necessarily, you know, trying so hard to uh, overwhelm the uh, the opposition there. So you know, he gave up some runs uh, via the home run, but the the strikeout to walk ratio I thought was was fine. So I, I wasn't too worried about his spring training, and I'm not too worried here. But you know. I'm, I'll, I'll, I'll be monitoring him hard this year, obviously, because I have such high hopes for him. Let's talk about the – oh, well, go ahead. I just want to mention something else. That, you know, the strikeouts minus walks are a very effective blunt tool, and, and we talk about them a lot. And um, they're most effective in in-season in and small samples, I think, because um, strikeouts uh, stabilize very mm -hmm. quickly. So, you know, strikeouts minus walks is just looking at the things that stabilize the quickest. So, therefore, it's really good in season. But when it comes to season two season and, and season projections and, and just basically looking at the quality of a pitcher, I think you need to be a little bit more nuanced than just uh, strikeouts minus walks. I'm not talking about you in particular. There are just other, there are other people sure. out there that are, are very almost sort of fascist about strikeouts minus walks. And, you know, I think that it's a good a good example to look at Samarja, to look at Phil Hughes and what happened yesterday, um, and to look at Henderson Alvarez and what happened yesterday. And these are all extreme examples. But Henderson Alvarez gave up 19 balls in play yesterday. Can you guess how many were grounders? Uh, you said 19 were, were total? 17. Yeah, yeah 16. Jeez. 16 grounders in 19. So he's not going to show up on any strikeouts minus walk things. And obviously we know that strikeouts are a fantasy category, and so that's going to be a minus for him. But when you give up 16 ground balls out of 19 balls in play, then you're doing something on the extreme level that's going to keep you from homers. And when you're Phil Hughes and Jeff Samarja, you can you, – you, you, like Phil Hughes in particular because he has less stuff than Jeff Samarja. Mm -hmm. You watch Phil Hughes – you know what he's doing is throwing to the middle of the zone. I mean, maybe not the exact middle of the zone, but, you know, you know that he's trying to get it in the zone. And the, just look at the different breaking balls he's thrown over his career. You know that he doesn't have a dominant breaking ball, you know? He's thrown a curve, and then he threw a slider, and then he threw a curve and a slurve and a slider and a slurve or whatever. <laughs> I don't even know. I, I'm calling it one breaking ball for Phil Hughes. He's got a breaking ball, and he's got a fastball, and he's got good command. But... Is he going to have the same otherworldly command that he had last year when he when he broke Probably records? Probably not going to recapture that MLB <laughs> historical record again. <laughs> and so, and then the and then the last thing that Phil Hughes did last year um, that was so different from his work before that made his you know his good command play up was that for the first time in basically his career as a starter, he gave up fewer than one home runs per mm -hmm. nine. And then he goes out to Detroit, and it's not Minnesota, so he's still probably a better play at home. But he goes out to Detroit, and he gives up two homers against a good lineup, um, you know. But he does his customary thing with walk with a, you know, six strikeouts and in, in six innings and one walk. So, you know, that sort of stuff. But that that one walk would represent a walk per nine increase over his walk total last year. That's how so crazy dirty. he was last. It's so dirty. But you don't. Don't you don't project? You can say yes. He had a great K, uh, you know, a great K, K minus BB last year. But you don't project him back into a half walk per nine. You no, know? you can't. You so, absolutely can't. Yeah. So there's no way that you should stick so hard to strikeouts minus walks. And it's you know this goes back to the the Matt Shoemaker thing too. Listen, I, I have Matt Shoemaker a lot of times, and you, I just published the guys I have, and Shoemaker shows up there. I think I have him four or five mm -hmm. times. And that, that was because I found that people were under uh, underrating him, and I did like his strikeouts minus walks last year. But I also know that Shoemaker's fastball is not great, that his non-splitter stuff is not great, 
and that Shoemaker had command issues in the past, and that Shoemaker just spent the entire spring striking out three guys per night. <laughs> so, like, I'm not going to tell you that you need to have Matt Shoemaker. I'm going to say, well, you know, if he's $10 in my AL-only league, I'll buy him. If he's my final pitcher in mixed league, I'll take him, or my, my fourth pitcher in a mixed league, I'll take him. But I'm not going to, you know, build a house on yeah, him. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I agree particularly with him. Uh, I think another guy maybe in that realm is uh, Mike Fires. I, I like him. But I wasn't telling. I wasn't necessarily. Homer. What's that? Homers, man. They're, you know, there's strikeouts, there's walks, and then there's homers. And you can't forget about the homers. They're very hard to predict, but you can't forget. Especially about them. when when the stuff isn't overwhelming. You know, it doesn't create a margin for error. And Fires and Shoemaker and even Hughes don't have this necessarily have the stuff to improve their margin for error. Uh, so if their command is off, they could be in trouble. Let's talk about some takeaways from the dish. Uh, what, what did you see at the plate from guys? Now, there wasn't a ton to go off. Like I mentioned, six shutouts, another one, two, three, four teams, five teams with just one run. So offense still not plentiful in the game. Uh, you know, don't mm-hmm. tell that to Colorado, uh, KC, and, and Oakland, and Boston, but that's it. I mean, every other team was pretty much, you know, either – kind of average or or worse than that uh yesterday what did you have any specific takeaways either from a player team or at large across the league well you know i started the pitching thing with roll stuff so i'm gonna take the low-hanging fruit first and say um i noticed some lineup slots that i found interesting uh i love rujanet odor but uh he was hitting ninth um and it actually you know, it led to one less plate appearance for him yesterday. So a lot of guys got four in that lineup, and he got three. Um, so that's that's something to 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 keep an eye out. You you maybe uh, because they were facing a righty, and maybe he'll be higher up against lefties. But that's still only one third of the time. So that takes a little bit of shine off him. Uh, and then uh, Jace Peterson well, uh, was hitting second. They hang on. We're going back to Odor. They were facing a righty yesterday, right? Um, and he's yeah. a lefty, so I doubt he would bat higher. Oh, I thought he was no. a righty. Uh, just in my head, I, I had him uh, as a righty. Because, yeah, they, they got Han tonight, another righty, and he's down there again. So he might have to work his way up. And what that also does oh, yeah, is really uh, kind of takes him out of consideration as a DFS play. Because you you can't you can't roster nine hitters, uh, number nine hitters, unless it's your very last pick and, you, you know, you're really short on money and you're just kind of punting that second base position. That's really the only way. There's that extra plate appearances gold and the, and the runs in the RBI. Exactly. Because you just need opportunities there. So even at 3,500, it might feel juicy, but, uh, until he moves up that lineup. So he'll have to earn his way. And then you mentioned Jace Peterson out in Atlanta. Uh, didn't he hit pretty high in the order? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. He hit second. So, uh, you know, I kind of, I kind of figured that those might be reversed, right? but uh, I guess the, the Atlanta lineup is so terrible that uh, not that I think Jay Peterson is terrible, but just, you know, that, that's pretty terrible. You know, he also whiffed a fair amount yesterday and, you know, he really needs to not whiff. I mean, so, you know, before I put, you know, patented sleeper uh, on Jace Peterson, I want, I want that strikeout rate to be at 16, 17, 18% tops. And that means it, that means his whiff rate needs to go down to ten percent. Yeah, just, be, just be a contact guy. Like, don't worry so much about yeah. pop or anything like that. You can be the guy can carve himself out a pretty nice career if he just has major contact. Uh, you know, he can he's shown he can take a walk every once in a while too. And then of course that that speed is pretty great. So uh, yeah, he's batting second again again today too against another right-hander. So. It's looking like he's going to get the shot to at least try to hold one of those top two spots in the Atlanta lineup, which, as you mentioned, isn't great, but volume is key. And, uh, you know, in an NL only league, which is probably where you rostered this rostered this guy to begin with. Uh, absolutely. If he's going to be batting up there, you're going to you're going to benefit because there's just going to be more runs and RBIs by by sheer volume. Uh, he's got the shortstop's arm and, you know, and Chris. um Johnson, that's his name. Uh, Chris Johnson, you know, is no good. So, you know, if, if Jace finds himself at third a little bit, he'll he could be one of those uh, he could be mixed league head to head worthy 
as one of those shortstop, second base, third base, extra, you know, extra ticks, you know, extra runs, RBIs, stolen bases um, kind of guys. So, you know, I, I, I'd, I'd watch the whiff rate. You know, definitely something that you can watch in small samples and, and see how it goes. Uh, for me, I was looking, you know, at the Colorado barrage. And, you know, we're never really usually surprised by Colorado ripping the cover off the ball. But they were on the road. And I was wondering if maybe the fact that they're not actually adjusting from Coors since they're coming straight from spring training and starting on the road, that maybe that helps them, you know, have maybe they're going to have a huge first series here against the Brewers because – I know there were some people out there who were ready to kind of stack them in DFS, but they didn't really cross my mind except maybe an option here or there because I, I you know, Colorado on the road. I don't usually mess with them. But then as, the, as I started thinking about it, I was like, well, you know what? Everyone talks about the, the adjustment from Coors. They're not actually adjusting from Coors. So, you know, they, they ripped Loesch, somebody who I think is actually going to be pretty decent this year. Uh, they absolutely clobbered him. And all of the Brewers pitchers are kind of similar, you know, just solid, not great, but not not uh, not terrible. However, I think this could be three games where where, where they all look pretty bad against uh, against Colorado uh, if they're clicking like this. So, you know, just just a small thing. And obviously it only matters once because then they're going right back. I don't know. Are they staying on the road? I can't remember. I th- no, I think they're going home this weekend. So, yeah, it only matters. But it, it might matter when they're in Arizona. What's that? You know, there's a couple, it might matter when they're in Arizona. There's a couple parks where um, you're right. To, to, and also, I think, against righties. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, because they I got when some they, lefty-heavy uh, uh, components there. Blackman and, 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 uh, and Dickerson either play worse or, or get platoon, so... Um, yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I, it doesn't, it doesn't surprise me now, but, uh, it, it has been brought up to me that I guess today I did a thing on 120 sports with Steve Phillips and Steve Phillips said that, um, the, the Rockies scored the least, the fewest runs on the road. I mean, it was, cra- you know, what's crazy about how bad they were and the most of all, yeah. uh, the, the, what's crazy about how bad they were on the road last year is that they actually started off pretty good. I think they were 10th or 11th in, in Woba on the road in April. So they, they got off to a decent enough start and then completely fizzled even more so than normal. So it, it's just it's really interesting with this team as it as it relates to being on the road for Colorado. But obviously they're in a, they're in a position now to uh, to at least get off to a good start. And yeah, 255 runs on the road, uh, 13 fewer than San Diego. And we all know how awesome that San Diego lineup was last year. So that's pretty dang bad that, uh, that, 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 that happened to Colorado. Uh, so yeah, I'll be keeping an eye on them these next couple games. Maybe it's just, maybe it's nothing because it's three game sample. It's really tough to, to get a read on it, but that's just something that crossed my mind. And then I saw somebody tweet out, uh, Troy rank suggesting something similar. And I believe he's a beat writer for them too. So I felt a little bit, uh, justified that the guy who's with them all the time feels similarly. Um, you mentioned earlier that, uh, you put together your, your, your portfolio and that was your piece today talking about your team names and your guys, all, all the guys that you have at least three times. And then a handful of the really interesting ones that you have multiple times. You, you, were able to list for us on there as well as your team names. And I really appreciated this twist on it. Cause I like doing the whole portfolio thing. Did it last year. Uh, and I'm going to do it again this year. My first time with, with fan graphs, it's going to come out on Thursday. Uh, I've never included the team names cause I don't have a ton of creative ones like you do, but I thought some of yours were really funny. Uh, the best one, if you've ever seen, Eno, it just says it's a perm and that's, just a fantastic team name. Uh, I like don't Bogarts my bets. I like, you know, the, the ones with the team, uh, with the player puns, they're great. Spasmani Grundle was good. Um, you know, just the, the Enos, Enos Slaughter, that's obviously great because of your name and Enos Slaughter. You know, Vado's Blotto, I like that one too. So I, I just thought you did a really good job with your team names. And hopefully some, some of these teams, because of the team name alone, deserve titles. So for that alone, I'm pulling for you. Oh, okay. Well, then, then Tout has to win because Chase Duda's jock order oh, gosh. is uh, – is is a is a winning name. We don't get to win, we don't get to name our 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 tout teams or and our labor teams, but that's, that's really uh, good. That should win me one. But um, yeah, I, I just think it's you know somebody said that uh, you know it'd be better if we did these earlier. But you know 
I don't know that it matters because if anybody's been listening to this podcast or reading our pieces, like these are like we pick the guys that we say we're that exactly. Are good. You know, like we we practice what we preach. There's no there's no name on here. Like Adam Ottavino was in my bold prediction as as you know being a top t- or top five closer or something. And and uh, Chase Anderson, I've I've written I've done an interview with I him. Think, I've done two interviews with I think him. You mentioned Chase Anderson uh, in the catcher and shortstop previews and he's a pitcher so yeah i mean honestly i i see these more as a as a checking our work sort of thing as opposed to something that people would want to use as a guide so i kind of get what they're saying maybe if they would like to see it earlier but like you said this is just going to kind of reinforce uh what we talked about and, and give us a chance to either expound on some of those guys maybe talk about some that we ended up with that we hadn't been talking about so we're going to go ahead and actually do that um, let's talk about your, your four pitchers that you own the most. You already mentioned the top two there. Adam Adovino stands alone as the only guy that you have on six teams. That's exactly half of your leagues. And I'm sure, do you have any AL only leagues? Yeah. I so do. if you cut those out, <laughs> you've got him in six of maybe eight or 10 opportunities. So you, you love Adovino and, and why not? Um, Chase Anderson, five. And then Jepson, Kevin Jepson, Matt Shoemaker, the aforementioned Matt Shoemaker, and Drew Smiley, all five apiece as well. So uh, you already mentioned Adovino and Chase. If you want to talk about one of those other three there that you got, um, and obviously not Shoemaker. So I'm going to make you pick one of the Rays, and how would you wind up with them five times? Well, you know, the, the Jepson thing, you know, some of this is also – bullpen guys are such so in flux, it's like, you know, I thought maybe, you know, early on, I have him in a couple saves leagues. I thought maybe early on he could he could sneak some saves. It's not completely out of the craziness that he would still. But, you know, there's been a little bit of a, a forcefulness from the Rays that I didn't expect, like a naming of Boxberger as closer type thing. I didn't really think they would do that. It doesn't really jive with what they've done in the past. And I kind of expected them to just, you know, oh, we'll get saves where we get saves. And it happens that Jepson gets them sometimes. We're going to keep Boxberger cheap by, you know, having Jepson steal some saves and McGee steal some saves, and we'll spread that arbitration money around instead of, you know, uh, you know, Boxberger going to arbitration and and saying, hey, I got 30 saves last year. I think that's still a possible thing because we don't know how good the Rays are going to be. We know they're cost conscious, and we know that they haven't really given one guy the closers role a lot in the mm-hmm. past. So I think Kevin Jepson can be still be relevant. He is, you know, when I put claims in for Grilly, he was the guy I dropped a lot of times. Understandably. Um, and and he's, the, he's the back guy in a bullpen. But I believe in his stuff. And there was this guy, Jeremy Greenhouse, that used to write for baseball analysts a while back. He got hired by the Cubs. And he was trying to create a stuff metric, which is something, you know, that I'm still working on. And I'm just banging my head against the wall. But he, cried, he created a stuff metric. And Kevin Jepson was, like, near the top of it. And, you know, you watch him some, you, you start to get it. So Jepson has good stuff. And last year, finally, he kind of corralled it and had good command to go with it. And so that's that's he's a good reliever. And, you know, some of my leagues have holds and I think he'll be relevant in the back end of that bullpen. So that's that's how that happened. But I can't necessarily it's not even that's another reason why I don't find this is a great recommendation tool, because all these leagues are so different. I wouldn't necessarily tell anyone that they still have to go out and get Kevin. Yeah, Jepson. exactly. Because it. Cause it it, it really just kind of explains what we did and, and context can change things. I mean, w- within the teams, the, the many, the far too many teams that I have, um, I've got guys that I, I just don't really like, but that's just kind of what the draft gave me and where I had to go yeah. with it. So, you know, not even everyone on the list is necessarily a ringing endorsement anyway. Uh, but yeah, that's Drupal Cabrera three times. I don't think as Drupal Cabrera is going to, you know, kill it this year. I just think he was huge you value know, a replacement shortstop or you know above replacement level shortstop for for cheap in in a lot of deep yeah leagues, they, so. people just weren't wanting to pay for him speaking of hitters let's talk about your 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 most owned hitters you got uh these four guys you have them in four plus leagues and it actually happens to just be uh four on the dot you don't have anybody in five and it's mookie betts Nick Castellanos, Avisail Garcia, and Travis Snyder. I know Castellanos has gotten a lot of run. We've spoken about him in great detail. We talked a lot about Avisail Garcia the last time out. So let's kind of focus on Betts a little bit because even though he is kind of, you know, one of those uh, highly spoken about and, and very coveted shiny new toys, you and I actually haven't really 
spoken that much about him. So first off, I'm impressed that you were able to get him four times. I'm a smidge jealous. I, I did get some shares, but um, you know, I kind of wish I'd gotten all of the shares in the world. I, I, I really am bought in on this guy. I know that the, the sample size is small so far, just 213 played. Well, 218 now if you count as five from yesterday. But um, everything looks good for this guy. It just looks like it's going to work out uh, for the 22-year-old bets. How do you feel about him, and, and what led you to getting, getting him in four leagues? Were any of them uh, holdovers from, like, you, you discovered him and, and drafted him? Yeah. Or did you pay for him uh, market value in all four leagues? I paid market value for Mookie Betts one Okay. Time. So, yeah, there, was a three, there are three keeper league shares of his. And, um, you know, so, you know, again, everything comes with a, a grain of salt. But I did pay, I did pay uh, market value for him in one league where OPS uh, was a factor. And I really like the fact that he gives you stolen bases with a good OPS. Definitely. That's something that is really hard to find. Even a, a guy like Billy Hamilton, you're just kind of holding your nose at the OPS and, and, and reaping the steals. So, you know, to find guys that have a little bit of power and have a, a little bit of on-base ability and can steal you 30 bases... Um, that's, I think, really the, 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 the key behind bets. He's going to be a stat stuffer. A top, I think, what's going to be the best lineup in baseball. And they just, they just ripped it oh, yesterday. They came, I think they're they came out swinging. Oh, man. I mean, they were in the NL, and they didn't even have, they didn't even have, uh, they didn't even have Napoli in the lineup. So, and, and Ortiz took the day off mentally. So, um, you know, I, I think, uh, and, and then, the reason I like Betts so much, and I have actually been talking on this podcast for about two years, or at least a year and a half, because I interviewed him um, in 2013 in the AFL. Is he cool? And um, yeah, he's and he was, he just struck me as very intelligent. Uh, and even then, when he was doing poorly, I mean, he he hit 271 with one homer in Arizona that year, and that's way below league average. I mean, in Arizona, the, the average batting average is like three twenty. It's ridiculous. <laughs> Yeah, and I talked to him, and he was struggling, and he said, you know, they throw junk in any count. They throw breaking balls any time. They'll throw change-ups any time. They just have better command of their secondary pitches. It was amazing. I mean, he just picked out what exactly was different about the high minors and adjusted and learned. And, you know, he's got bloodlines. He's Terry Shumpert's kid oh. or uncle. is You know, Terry Shumpert's an uncle. I did uncle. not know that. That's awesome. Yeah, and he, he, you know, in terms of statistical buckets, he's in the – He's in the perfect statistical buckets for, you know, he showed power at every level. He, he walked more than he struck out, in some cases twice as often as he struck out. So there's really, like, statistically there's nothing to worry about, you know. And then scouting-wise, some people say, well, he's a little bit too small for the power he's going to show. You know, he may not show any power. But, I mean, just watch the cat. He, he, he's not Pedroia. He's not Pedroia. But the way that Pedroia kind of gets the most power they can out of the size that he's at um, is something that I think you can compare to Pedroia. I mean, I think Mookie Betts has a real nice, you know, really active hands. That's why he makes such great contact. And I think also uh, he puts effort into his swing and can get some, you know, at least double-digit homers. I I'm, I'm really psyched on this guy. And frankly, I, I, I feel like uh, he maybe should have gotten the higher prospect love this offseason than um, – uh, Chris Bryant, and I know he's not an actual prospect anymore because he exceeded his limits last year, uh, so maybe it's not a one-to-one -one comparison, but the fact is, by the time draft season hit the fever pitch, when, when Bryant Mania was going nuts, Bryant was going ahead of Betts, and I, and I think Bryant, uh, Betts is going to have the better season, even if even if Bryant was already on the club. So I'm not even just accounting for the, the couple weeks that, that Bryant's going to miss. I just, uh, you know, they're not an apples-apples comparison in terms of fantasy value because uh, Bryant's major power and, and Betts is a bit of everything, but still, in just raw fantasy value dollars, I think it's going to be bets. I'm really excited on him. And then, uh, obviously, I mentioned how much I love Avisel Garcia in our last episode because we were picking guys kind of off the radar. And the guy I picked as a potential, you know, 200 pick or later MVP 
was Garcia. So I definitely like that one. And then Travis Snyder, your boy, you've been trumpeting him. I remember listening to you trumpet him to Nick Minix, previous host of, of this podcast. So you've been on that one for a while, and I'm, I'm really excited about that one. You sold me during that pod, and you've sold me regularly as we've talked about him. I just think that at worst, as a uh, strong side platoon guy, even if he doesn't you know, get a chance to really develop against lefties, I think he uh, was better last year in, in very limited appearances, but showed some of his best work against lefties. But even if he's just straight platoon, I think there's a lot of fantasy value to be mined with uh travis snyder you know i think you know they're away uh from home right now and uh i really want to see what happens when he gets home oh especially you know baltimore the reason i said it could be fun yeah and you know baltimore the reason that baltimore and it may not even happen that early in the season because the reason that baltimore plays uh like it does is the heat um it's actually the, the 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 warmest stadium or the second warmest stadium i think oh, it's wow. them and Texas. i didn't know that are, yeah they have the warmest average and i don't know why it, it must have just something to do maybe it hits way, uh, really high peaks late in the summer or maybe something about the bricks or i don't know but it's a it plays really warm and that's partly that's that i think you know temperature is something if you're playing dfs and you're and you're trying to get part factors temperature is something to really stay on top of i mean it's why Offense is down more in the beginning part of the season. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Jeff Zimmerman's done some pieces about how important every every tick on the um, on the thermometer is worth X amount of batted ball um, distance. So, you know, it's a really thing, good thing to stay on top of. I know there's a couple weather sites out there, and that's something to re- and especially when you're talking like Wrigley. Wrigley, you know, I I have some cutting room floor stuff from Jake Arrieta where he just said that Wrigley plays completely differently on different nights and then that he has to change his pitching philosophy uh, based on what's going on at Wrigley. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Yeah. You talked about, you know, throwing the sinker a lot more and, you know, staying out of the zone um, and trying to get ground balls on, on days when it's warm. And then the other days he can just fill up the zone and try to get whiffs. So uh, I think, I mean, if you listen to a pitcher say that, you're like, oh, my God, he's going to be that different on different days but depending on the, the temperature. Isn't so that th- there's not only – there's not only yeah what happens you know you know because of the temperature itself it's like what how the game gets played differently so um, uh, that that that's uh, very insightful stuff particularly about Baltimore I just I did not know that it got that hot there uh, so we t- we've talked about who you've got a, a bunch of let's talk about maybe somebody that you didn't get enough of you, you have at least the one share maybe even two but is there anybody on your list that you're like, man, I really wish he was up in that five, six range? And of course, we're not talking about Trout in a break, you know, the first rounders. I know you know that, but I'm telling the the uh, audience that Ooh, I had six trouts. You know, <laughs> if I could have gotten 12 trouts, my, my draft plan would have really come together. But since it didn't, I think I'm going to have a bad year. No, I'm obviously talking about mid to low tier guys, uh, you know, e- even even. Guys in round four through six can be involved in this, but just somebody that maybe you had hoped that you would get a few more shares of, it just didn't come to fruition. Well, I, he didn't have a great first day, but Jorge Soler is a guy that I wish I had way more. Or, you know, it just ended up being that he ended up being in a in a spot in an expensive spot, and also in a spot where I usually was trying to get my the beginning of my uh, rotation. Mm-hmm. So there'll be a lot of times where I'm picking my I have a choice between my second pitcher when my first pitcher wasn't a top ten pitcher. Or Soler. You know, basically, you know, yeah. So I'm either taking, you know, Alex Wood to pair with Carlos Carrasco, or I'm taking Jorge Soler to be my third outfielder or my or my Utah. Yep. You know, and it just the the cost benefit analysis for that team just didn't work out a lot. Not that Soler got super expensive, but he, there was some hype sure, around. Sure, sure. Especially and, late. You know, there was one. There was one draft where I said screw it, and I had I I talked about this before. I had fifteen dollars budgeted for a pitcher and one dollar for a utility guy, and I ended up with Jorge Soler and uh, CC Sabathia. So flipped it. Um, yeah, I flipped it, and uh, everybody in uh, I've I've gotten multiple comments from people in my league about how much they hate my team right now. So <laughs> uh, must have done something good, but uh, we'll see if I if I have the uh, this is actually just a fun one, and every, no one cares about your fantasy team. 
Um, That's not true. But, I mean, uh, I know it's supposed to be true, but I for I guess maybe I'm weird. I, I, I don't mind hearing about people's teams if they're talking, uh, you know, eloquently about it and, and saying things that matter, not just telling me that, oh, yeah, I almost drafted these three guys, and if I would have, I'd have won. You're talking about your strategies and your team. No, I, I like hearing people talk uh, about it. So c- continue. Tell, tell me more. Well, let's. Just, I, I'll, I, just because it, it's almost like a Labadini. Labadini is a um, uh, is like the Lima plant, isn't Labadini like a dollar yeah, per pitcher the, or something? Yeah, nine dollar pitcher plan. Um, I think it was Larry Labadini, perhaps per, per, pulled yeah, this off but, ages ago. I wonder, by the way, if probably not, but it just seems like maybe now would be the time to try it again because. Uh, of the plentiful pitching, but I, I'm sure people have thought about that. And 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 just what I really don't like about dollar guys is that there's so much risk associated with them. So I really like the you know extreme pushing of money away from the pitching. Mm-hmm. Uh, that I don't mind at all. So this is what an 80 percent. This is an about an 80 to 20 split um, for my auction. I did this auction. So I got Lucroy, one catcher, okay. uh, Rizzo, Pedroia, Arenado. Bogart, oh my God! Uh, Chu, Bautista, Soler, Betts, and Jennings, and that Moss. That is so disgusting. I love that. Yeah. Obviously, so that's coming at a price league. for pitching. It's an OPS league, so all this, the guys who steal bases from me, and there's not that many stolen bases, so it's a little bit of weakness. But all the guys who will steal bases for me uh, will do it with a good OPS. Um, and it's just stacked. I mean, there's no... There's no weakness here anywhere. My, you know, my second utility bench guys, Jennings, Jennings and Moss are my worst players. I mean, it's just a really, I think it's really, that's an 80% auction budget uh, on your, on your offense. And so then you think, well, your, your pitching must suck. Well, I mean, maybe it does, but um, you'll recognize a lot of the names. Uh, Wood, DeGrom, Hutchison, Quintana, Lackey, CeCe, Taiwan Walker, and Ian that Kennedy. Is still really impressive for an 80 and then 20 I, I put, and my chapman is my most expensive pitcher that's ridiculous like chapman boxberger and grilly i actually love so, that, that that squad what league is that again is that just a home league of some sort yeah my friend uh my friend adisu is a is a uh, a political guy so it, it's filled filled with guys that run uh political organizations nice. and stuff so um it's fun i've been there i've been with them for five six years and i've won like three or four times out of the five years i'm hoping you get they're always gone yeah i'm hoping you get another here i i i think you got a good shot at i really like that team i expected way worse at the top end of your starters when you said wood and degrom first off when you said wood i'm like okay i guess i guess that's travis wood but the fact that you got wood and degrom (laughs) that's really impressive (laughs) it's not a super deep league it's 12 teams but but it's it's a good representation of what sort of 80 20 looks like and you know what you're going to end up with on the pitching side and you know it feels pretty good to me yeah, so I just thought... yeah, maybe that maybe that is a that does say something you know i did so i wanted more solaires that's the only one i got it and i didn't get any will myers okay that was yeah that was my and... next question who did you not get at all that you really wanted at least one share of and so it's myers yeah it's Myers, and you know what? I may, after this, you know, send out a couple trade feelers. Not like he had a great uh, beginning, um, you know, uh, did steal a base, but um, you know, whiffed a bunch, and uh, you know, you know, people still, and people might, you know, think that some of the shine has come off the Padres after one. I don't know, but um, in any case, I, I may go and try and get him with some some trade pieces and put some things together because I just, you know, we've talked about how. He was hurt, and and how you know projection systems underproject people who play through pain, and um, you know I think uh, I think he's got real power. I think he's got enough power to to at least I think he can hit twenty this and year. And didn't he bat leadoff? I think, I think he Myers did. batted leadoff. Uh, that was against a lefty. We'll see where he bats tonight against a righty. I don't have uh, the Padres lineup out just yet against Zach Greinke and the Dodgers. But uh, yeah, that's it. That's very interesting. Is there any one pitcher before we go that that fits the same mold, or did you get at least one share of pretty much every pitcher you wanted? Well, I wish I had had more Kyle Kendrick shares. Well, at least for one start, right? <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> You know, it's funny. I, I, I thought I 
I just, uh, you know, you can actually sort the game log mm-hmm. um, on Pangrass, which is something I hadn't done before. So it almost acts like a play index. So what I did was just sort Kyle Kendrick's uh, career for strikeout rate, for strikeouts. Okay. Uh, and I thought I was going to be able to say something like, Kyle Kendrick has never struck out six batters and walked zero before in his career. Uh, but that's not true. He's done it uh, three, four, five, six times, seven, eight, nine times in his career. Okay. I mean, that's that's Which, way more than I would have thought. Even even given he's got like probably what two hundred starts, close close to two hundred starts. So yeah, yeah one hundred eighty six starts, and you know, I think this is that it's a good example also of like the dog shines on butt, right? You know. Well, happens, because if like, you're in the major leagues and you're and you're getting 186 starts, you've got a level of talent that I think we yeah. don't always want to admit is there. You know, like when we say a player sucks, we're saying that in the context of the league. But when you step back, you realize they suck a- according to these guys, but they're still one of the best <laughs> baseball players in the world currently. Yeah, how about Kyle Kendrick starts against your favorite college team tomorrow? <laughs> I mean, he would decimate them so embarrassingly so uh, if, yeah. if he did it regularly and he was, you know, because I know sometimes in the in the spring training those college teams do beat major league oh, teams. Right, but if right. you're talking, they're amped up to full uh, stretched-outedness, yeah. if you will, a brand-new yeah. word. <laughs> and, you know, they, they know it counts. That's another thing, too. If a major leaguer knew it counted – he would be on his best stuff, and I and I believe Kyle Kendrick would absolutely cut up whoever they believe is the best college ba- baseball team right now. Yeah, I mean he's a one pitch pitcher because the split finger is really the only pitch that does yep. well um, by any numbers. But um, you know, eighty nine ninety plays a lot differently against the college. So that's anyway, nice. I, that's a little thing I wanted to throw out there. I, you know, pitchers, you know, for the most part, I got you know the guys I wanted, and you know. Um, you know, shoot. I mean, I guess I I only have really one um, Hutchison. You only have one Hutchison share. No, that uh, that must have been a mistake on my. That can't uh, be right. I mean, it might. No, be. because I have him in labor, and I just and I just named a team where I have. Yeah, because I I knew I labor was there. Oh, it's, yeah. So although you didn't list everybody with two, so maybe it's just two. Yeah. Because you yeah. said you didn't list all of your guys that were that were two. Um, because it might have been too many guys given the the twelve. Well, games. I only end up one with only one TJ House, but at this point, I'm sort of glad about that because I I don't think he's gonna have a great uh, strikeout rate. Yeah, I don't think you want to uh, get you know oversaturated with a guy like that. And I'm 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 right there. I'm I'm high on him as well. I'm interested. Uh, and I got him in a few leagues, but I it wasn't a situation where I really wanted to go get eight shares of him. Because, yeah, like you said, I don't think it's going to – I think the strikeout rate we saw last year could actually drop um, a, a little bit as well too. And, and the ERA that we saw last year is probably about right, three three five. I think that that's something that he could do for a full season. But it, there could be some backslide to it too. And if he's a, you know, a 365 guy with a six-and-a-half strikeout rate, I'm fine with it because I paid nothing for him in, in any league I got him. But it's not somebody I want in every rotation. And it's almost not even uh, mixed league right? relevant. So. Yeah, and I, I only really got him in right. deeper leagues, thankfully. Yeah. Uh, uh, I only have one share of Taiwan Walker which the, the, on that one roster, and, and, and that was one where near the end um, I'd gotten all these lackey CC guys, and I was like, and Kennedy, and I, and I had eight bucks, and I was like, who am I going to spend eight bucks and on? And then you found somebody. And it's not, it wasn't like, you know, I tell everybody they should go spend eight bucks on Taiwan Walker, but it, you know, I was glad to get that one share of him. There is a there is a real there is a real nice chance of him being great because whatever that that pitch is, if it's a split finger change or just a heavy two seamer or whatever it is that he's throwing, it's looking pretty good. And compare, combine that with a great uh, breaking ball that he has and great velocity, I think you know he he might actually have everything he needs. It, you know, the command is always a question with him, but, you know, at least Seattle's going to help him there. And, you know, for what's worth, there are some guys that I have multiple shares of that I wish I didn't. I mean, I have three shares of Masahiro Tanaka right now. <laughs> That's not feeling so good and, anymore. 
Yeah, well, two of them were keeper leagues, and I did decide to keep them, but I just figured, hey, he's going to pitch. Might as well take that lottery. Yeah, ticket. and I, I, I would have too. I, I started investing in him a bit later in the draft season, and I, I didn't. I don't think I got, uh, you know, too overexposed on, on him. I think I got him in three as well. You know, it didn't look great, but it was also a great offense that he faced too. So just because it, a lot of confirmation bias in play yesterday – I think because people, you know, those that are most nervous about him are just like, see, knew it, told you. And I'm like, oh, OK, I mean, well, I don't know. You know, the people making a big deal out about him not using his fastballs. Well, he didn't use his fastball last year. He was a 40 percent fastball guy, yeah. you know, and he was 32 percent last night. We're going to make a big deal out of one game where he, you know, eight out of 100 pitches the fewer. And then, you know, another thing that people say is, well, at the reduced velocity it can't be effective. Well, do you guys not remember Hiroki Kuroda? Oh, uh, yeah, absolutely. You know? No, I, I, I think that there's colossal overreaction. And honestly, if I hadn't been able to get him uh, in enough leagues to kind of satiate my appetite, I would go out and buy up more because I think obviously they would come extremely cheap right now. But uh, I think I'm kind of at the max. I don't really need to go get more shares of Tanaka. I don't need to leverage my entire fantasy year exactly. on, uh, on an arm that's 40% torn. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm all good <laughs> where I'm at right now. I'll hold those for sure. But uh, if you have zero, I would suggest maybe going out and getting one share if you're in multiple leagues because, I don't know, I still think that, uh, that there's a chance that he's markedly better than what we saw last year, even if he's not quite as excellent as we saw, uh, or, uh, not as bad as we saw yesterday, and, and, yesterday. and not necessarily go, even if he's not going to be as good as we saw last year is what I meant to say with that sentence. But anyway, right, now that right. my tongue's all t- tied up, that must mean it's time to end the show because uh, uh, it's <laughs> dinner time. Maybe that's why I'm just hungry as all. But, uh, you know, good job. We are, we are officially in the season. I hope that you're as excited as I am about this because it's, it was so great yesterday just watching morning until night. Didn't get a chance to do the morning until night thing today because uh, there were no day games. But that's all right. It gave me a chance to write and kind of catch up for the week. So I was among those who actually wasn't complaining about no day games today. But we will be back on Thursday, and I bet we will be talking about day games in the midst of podcasting. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I'm about to turn some on right now. Enjoy the games. And I, I think some of you might be able to hear that the uh, the landscapers are, are now at the apartment. So it's the perfect time to end the podcast. You know, I'll talk to you in a couple days. All right, see ya.